0: He said, I would like to invite you for dinner afterwards. And then I said, Well, food is really not that easy around me. And he said, No, 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 no problem. Just tell me. And I said, Well, no meat, no dairy, no fish, no eggs. And he said, No problem. And then I, he said, I'm going to make hummus. That's what he wrote. And I said, No oil. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And he said, No problem. So that was a good start. And-
1: Welcome back to another episode. And in a little bit, we'll be learning about Carolina Mueller from the Houston area, uh, who is a food for life instructor, a plant pure pot leader, and she'll tell us her story of overcoming a lifetime struggle with food, experiencing tremendous weight loss, and now helping others create change in their own lives. She has a PhD in chemistry, and was recently featured uh, doing a food demo on the Food as Medicine Summit. Uh, Now this podcast is a little different because she will give us a food demo uh, during our conversation. So if you go past 30 minutes on the podcast, that's around the time that she'll start talking to us about a traditional German dish that she grew up with, that is now plant based a couple of announcements before we speak to Carolina, make sure to subscribe to our podcast for more great interviews, you can go to our website plantbaseddfw.com forward slash podcast to learn about how you can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And I also put our podcast on our YouTube channel. So the link to the YouTube channel is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, Forward slash plant based DFW, and I'm about to start a series of healthy plant based cooking videos for you um, that are all doctor approved. Okay, so make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for that as well. And I wanted to let you know about PCRM, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine now offers telemedicine in the state of Texas. So you might want to go to their website to find out about that. And also, they're offering an eight week nutrition class that I've previously mentioned. So you can still sign up pcrm.org forward slash nutrition class. I send out a weekly newsletter that includes our podcast guest, I include recipes and all the other information to really get you started on a healthy plant based lifestyle. Finally, I think you're going to want to write this down, or at least um, make sure that you check the show notes. There is a 21 day online event that Dr. Riz is part of and this is a Diabetes Summit. It's called the Diabetes Turnaround Masterclass. It includes 20 top influencers. You learn the truth about reversing type two diabetes and discover simple effective ways to lose weight, uh, free yourself a chronic disease and live a longer, healthier, more abundant life. The link will be in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe for that. It's a free summit. It begins September twenty eighth, And I will include the information as I get more details on that. Okay, let's hear from Carolina. So welcome, Carolina. How are you?
0: Thank you, Maya. I'm so happy to be with you and to join you
1: on your podcast. Well, thank you. I've been wanting us to kind of sit down and have this kind of conversation and we both have been pretty busy. Um, Well, let's start um, because I do want to know how the pandemic has affected all your activities and I'm signed up to your uh, newsletter that I received today. So I'd like to touch on that as well. Um, Can we start with your story? I know that you have this amazing story about weight loss and um, and tell us about that if you'd like.
0: So I I come from a family of uh, four children, I'm the youngest, and really early on, um, like few months after my birth, I actually had problems with vomiting and I was a very sickly thin child. And then with three years of age, I had a tonsillectomy and after that, um, my weight changed dramatically and drastically and I was always, A plum child. I think these days people wouldn't pay that much attention to it. But back then it was, you know, I really stood out. And also, food was really important to me. I remember I might have been four years old, like climbing up to the kitchen counter to reach the oat flakes and the sugar. And I would make myself an extra bowl of uh, oat, rolled oats, sugar, and milk. With you know, four or five years old. I was always hungry. I was like, you know, food was a little recommended in my family. So I was always like looking for extra food, like all my life. It never stopped.
1: Any idea what was driving you to eat so much?
0: I wonder if something had really changed in my, or maybe I never had a particularly good gut microbiome. And then over the surgery with you know, you have to be um, without food for some time, you get more antibiotics. We already because I was sickly, lots of infection and it continued that I got lots of antibiotics that there was something going on with my gut microbiome and it shifted it this way.
1: And then um, did that continue on through most of your life?
0: Yeah, it did. Um, I... Had it, so when I was 18, I did a, a fasting um, health spa. It was actually mostly juice fasting. I got a glass of carrot juice and a and a big cup of vegetable broth every day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I lost weight. And I was like, the weight I really would like to be for the first time in my you know after my teenage or like as long as I can remember.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it didn't last very long. It was a very traumatic time in my family. My mother was diagnosed with cancer and I sort of totally spiraled out. I would gain the weight back and twice as much and then I would do some fasting again and I would lose and it just went up and down and up and down. The last time I had one of those weight losses was when I came to the US when I was 20 years old. It was very exciting here. I ate fairly healthy with lots of salads, and I lost the weight. But then when I came back for grad school, like depression hit again, and I gained all the weight back. At one point, it ballooned up to 240 pounds. And I pretty much settled between 200 and 220 pounds for many years of my adult life.
1: Oh, my goodness. And how did you begin to discover that you can use food as medicine?
0: So I had inklings before, like when I was 13, my family actually did a lot of changes in food. We ate a lot more raw food, we ate raw vegetables, we would grind our own flour for breakfast, we would have like coarsely shredded, freshly coarse shredded uh, grains in the morning. We did all that, but you know, then when my mom died, we also ate... More meat again, and even before we still ate cured meat. We ate processed meat because mm. it's just so German and uh, my mom died of colon cancer. When I came here i um a few years later, I found permaculture, and the permaculturists that I was hanging out with they were vegetarian, so very soon I became a vegetarian. but being me. I, of course, after a brief period of increased health, I ate more cheese and more ice cream and it just continued in the same. And even when I found veganism and became a vegan a few years later, I did the same thing again. That addiction-like behavior is so strong. But then in 2011, my supervisor had a triple bypass surgery and I was like, I need to do something for myself. I want to show it for him to him. I'm always motivated by helping more than helping myself. And that's when I followed the advice that friends had given me a long time ago to check out Dr. John McDougall. That's when my journey really started. That was oh. in 2011.
1: 2011. I want to say that I discovered I started learning about Dr. John McDougall in 2013. So our story in terms of when we got into that information is very close. So I wanted to know, um, going back a little bit about when you first went vegan, you said that those eating habits continued. So are you saying you you stayed vegan, but now you were doing the you know, consuming the vegan cheeses and all kind of like the fatty vegan foods? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I found not so much the cheeses, the cheeses I never cared for. But like the, the sausages I found. And the, the ice cream substitutes. Do you hear a theme here? Ice cream is like really high ranking in my life. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the soy yogurt and stuff like that. And I just, I have an amazing ability. Oh, nuts and dried fruit. I mean, wonderfully healthy foods, but just very, very calorie dense. And I don't have that regulation to to notice when I'm full
1: hearing your your how you ate in the past and how you where you are today is incredible
0: during that first year when I lost the weight, and I lost uh, about 70 pounds. I noticed uh, that if I had one meal a week eating out with friends that contained oil, I wouldn't lose any weight. And in other weeks, I would often lose two pounds a week. So that was quite a motivator for me to avoid the oil. And like that one meal back then, it did not, I was so committed. It did not trigger me into, you know, searching for more calorie dense food at that time. But I know there is a danger if I can easily get used to more calorie dense food, but just not having, you know, just having the impact of that one meal with some oil on it, it it was just stunning to me
1: were you okay in transitioning to eating those starchy foods initially, because they are satisfying?
0: Yeah, I, I had always eaten those. And so I just what I focused on was no more of the processed vegan sausages, no more vegan butter, that was actually another one. And I got used to eating my vegetables without the butter. And uh then I would focus on those filling starchy vegetables and, and whole grains, whole intact grains. At that time, I did not do too much of the flour stuff. Um, I might have occasionally pasta, but I, did, I stopped eating bread because bread is very calorie dense too
1: so now you're finding you're discovering that you're feeling better with foods and eliminating oils. And then when did you get married? And did you bring your husband on board? Or was he already plant based? Actually,
0: in May of 2011, before I started my journey, I decided I needed to take some time for myself, I needed to figure some stuff out. I had finally a few years ago, a few years earlier, graduated with a PhD in chemistry, I was engaged in a choir and in this music ensemble and a few other things and I wanted mm-hmm. to figure out what I really wanted. And then a few months later this whole thing happened with my supervisor and I started, started this journey on my, towards my health. And uh, but I had kept some sheet music. I had kept one voice out of a set. <laughs> Not good musician etiquette to do that. I <laughs> so, no.
1: um,
0: The following year, early in 2012, I showed up to one of their rehearsals with my viola voice, and the owner of the sheet music uh, was very gracious and accepted it back <laughs> and invited me out. <laughs> He had started uh, the divorce in the meantime, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, I told him, oh, I'm uh, leaving for Germany and I need to meet with my cat sitter this week. I don't have time. And he thought I was blowing him off. So there I was in Germany over Easter and he sent me Easter greetings. <laughs> and okay. At that point I decided I I will invite him to a choir concert. Now I wasn't singing in choir anymore, I was going to concerts. And so that that was our first date. He said, I would like to invite you for dinner afterwards. And then I said, well, food is really not that easy around me. He said, no, 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 no problem, just tell me. And I said, well, no meat, no dairy, no fish, no eggs. And he said, no problem. And then I, he said, I'm going to make hummus. That's what he wrote. And I said, no oil <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> and he said no problem so that was a good start and we dated for a little bit and then we were together Oof, it happened really quick um at first he was just going to humor me you know he wanted to be together with me and he knew the only way to, for this to happen was to cook my way but then after we were together like within mm. one week he noticed the difference in his body And uh, within six months, he was vegan. A little more than a year, we were married.
1: Wow, it was meant to be, my goodness. I mean, for him to transition that fast, he must have really been in love. Actually, he had a bad
0: start with my cooking. He insisted on helping me install a hot water heater in my apartment. That was the beginning of the very serious dating. And uh, it was August and my apartment had two window units and the kitchen was unair conditioned. And I told him, I don't need a hot water heater in August in Houston. I might need it by November. I had experience with that. I had been without a hot water heater before. But he insisted and so there we were working side by side. I think that did something, the chemistry between us too. But I served him a ginger soup ginger butternut squash uh, soup and I love that soup but that time I had put too much ginger in and the ginger was exceptionally strong so he ate the ginger soup (laughs) and he (laughs) totally trusted his own cooking at that point but in in the meantime we really changed
1: so I knew of your husband's cooking because you you share that and you even um, in your food demos sometimes recommend the canned whole tomatoes that he says are like the best now I want you to know I use them now <laughs> I use that brand as well carolina at any point did you do any lab work to kind of compare your numbers before you went plant-based and then now I wish I had
0: but I was also doctor phobic at that time um it's you know, when you're so overweight and stuff going on, I, I really didn't want to see anyone. And then I suddenly started on that and it, things happened so quickly that I didn't even think about it. But what, what I really noticed is I had a foot pa- pain, like waking up in the morning. I was so stiff, I was stiff in the hips, but then just the feet, um, I might have had plantar fasciitis, I never had a diagnosed even. I just uh, One thing that I did all these years before, there was one pair of shoe I could wear without too much pain, and it was the Masai Barefoot Technology shoes. Just the sandals, that's all I wore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Throughout the year, going hiking, uh, visiting in Germany, I needed a boot at one point, and so my mom would bring her boots that, that fits. And they would pick me up because there was snow on the ground. I would put the boots on and they dropped me off at the airport and I would switch shoes.
1: (laughs) Wow. And now I'm sure that you can wear any shoe you want, right? I'm still a little
0: finicky with my feet, but I don't have that foot pain anymore. And I'm really happy. The other thing was like, I actually moved a lot at that time. I would go to Nia, which is a movement class, choreographed the music. I became a near teacher, I went to classes like five, six times a week, I really moved a lot. I like my 220 pound body would jump up and down half an hour after moving my joints, especially my hip joints they would get so stiff, it felt like they were seizing up.
1: You're now in a position where you're actually helping people you're involved in a plant pure pod. And you're also a food for life instructor. So how did you even get to that point?
0: I think it's quite a common phenomenon that people who have like such a shift in awareness that they want the whole world to know about it and my friends were quite getting fed up with me. So I was like, okay, I need to find an audience that is free to walk away from me. And so I was looking for some time what to do and eventually I found uh, the program. By the physicians committee, that's the food for life program where you're trained to be a cooking instructor. And there's a support structure there, there is a curriculum, and there's all kinds of support to actually put these classes on. And if there are questions, I can email like a nutritionist or a doctor. And there is just that back support for me. I'm a chemist, I know a lot, but I'm not a medical professional. That really makes a difference.
1: Yeah, and it surprises me, I didn't know you had a PhD. So you could go by Dr. Mueller if you wanted to, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I could. And for me, it's always in this setting, in particular, if I say I'm Dr. Kavlina Mueller, people think I'm a medical doctor, and I'm not. So mm-hmm.
1: how often do you use PhD after your name? Because I don't remember that seeing that before. <laughs> you don't really, right? I have dear friends
0: tell me that I really should. You, so should. I did, you should.
1: You should. You've worked really hard for that degree and it's still important. So I saw you, um, I think I saw you twice because I, I mentioned the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Were you there or were, was I confusing it with the PCRMs conference?
0: In the National Conference of Nutrition and Medicine last year in Washington DC.
1: Yeah, last year when we saw each other there and and we marched in white coats to the Capitol to basically kind of in a non-aggressive way say, you know, ditch the dairy do away with meat. And it felt it was my first time going, it felt so wonderful to be part of such a large movement, a wonderful organization like PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and then you were there. So that was like a big plus. (laughs) But it's just been wonderful to be part of this. And then I know even at that conference, the Food for Life instructors kind of have their own little get together as well, right? That time we had a special
0: day for us. It was really wonderful. We had a training in how to deal with getting the word out. That that was the, the big part last year with Stephanie Red Cross from Vegan Mainstream.
1: And you mentioned briefly what a food for life instructor is. But for those people that may not know, I kind of want to just uh, mention how I even uh, met you is through knowing Dr. Chawla, doctors Munish and Bandana Chawla, I attended some of their events. And you happen to be one of the instructors that was doing a food demo. And I found you to be entertaining. Um, you know, such a nice spirit and energy that you have. And then of course, your food is delicious. My sister at the time I dragged her to um, one of the events, she loved you. She was like, where can I learn more from her? And so let's talk about the Food as Medicine Summit. So you are actually... Uh, you're involved in it as well. What should we expect to see and um, see you doing at the summit?
0: The theme that I picked was uh, sauces and dressings, because I think they really help prepare something and then you can combine it with fast vegetables. And so there's always something to eat. And so I introduced a few salad dressings and I really wanted to make it super simple. So for For us, for example, if there's nothing else ready, there's always vinegar. And it's very easy to switch up the flavors a bit by having a couple of different vinegars at home. Mm -hmm. Or like if you have uh, lemon or lime juice at home, it makes a wonderful salad dressing just by itself. And then you can spruce it up a little bit by mixing in tahini or mustard or um, mixing in a fruit, like just balsamic vinegar and strawberries makes a wonderful salad dressing
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's one part and then i introduce a very simple marinara sauce and one of the challenges to myself because i had never done it before was to make a cheese sauce and since then we love it i have made it again and i think it will be a staple you can put a little bit of cheese sauce or sweet potatoes and potatoes and processed sprouts and all kinds of vegetables and An instant
1: boost, yeah. Well, Carolina, those categories that you just mentioned, like the sauces, the dressings, the marinades, are the key to making food taste delicious. In my last cooking class, we had the
0: discussion, uh, and I asked uh, Dr. and Sharma to speak up to it too. With salt, for some people, it's really, really important. For me, for blood pressure, I actually Probably do better with a little bit of salt, because my blood pressure tends to go low. But then salt also makes food more attractive. So to someone like me, who tends to overeat easily, it's actually better if I tone down the salt. And I think there are some people who probably have no problems with it one way. So my husband, the arrangement at home is that we cook without salt, and he gets to sprinkle on salt on the surface. Yes. And then we use a little bit of miso or mustard and they, a prepared mustard, they tend to contain a little bit of salt or if you buy some salsa. So it's minimal salt, really, I mean, the quantities is so much lower than if you buy any processed
1: food. Right. I agree. So because you don't have additives and preservatives in your dressings and um, yeah, Same thing with salt. I'm a believer. I avoid salt. But if I'm cooking for someone else, I may add a little bit at the very end so that they can still the flavors can be enhanced for them. But my goal is also to introduce fresher, um, easy to make meals. At home, so I don't want to discourage them by making the food bland either. So, <laughs> I was interested in knowing first of all, um, what were you doing in the pod, and how has that changed for you now that we have a pandemic going on and we can't gather as much?
0: The first cooking class I ever did, one of the participants said, "It would be really lovely if there was ongoing support structure," but that was in 2015, and plant Pure nation didn't exist yet. And then as soon as I found Plant Pure Nation, I watched the, um, it was already on YouTube, I think when I found it, I watched it and I was like, yes, that's how we create community. That's how we bring all kinds of people together. The people who do raw vegan, the people who do starchy vegetables, you know, there are all these different flavors. We can all be together in this container of Plant Pure Pots and support each other. And we can involve doctors and nutritionists and people like me who who just offer cooking classes. And I just love the idea. And so I went onto the webpage and I was writing to the pot and there was silence. (laughs) And then somebody asked me, would you like to be the pot leader? And I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) So luckily... Leah Sola stepped in and rejuvenated the pot. And then we met in restaurants or like a juice bar. We met at the salad place. And people said, it would be so nice if you could have a potluck. So I was working on getting us a potluck place. And I finally convinced my church where I was teaching a cooking class to give us some space just one time for a potluck. And people loved it and then a little later Lea Stoller said okay I did it for a year it's your turn now <laughs> and so since I think mm-hmm. summer of 2018 I want to say I've been part leader mm-hmm. and it's really the back-to-back of you know cooking instructor and having people in classes and then say if you want to have continued support please come to the part and from the general public whoever finds us and um patients and participants in what the the Lifestyle Docs Clinic offers with Dr. Barnin and Manish Chola. We all come together. And before the pandemic, we had several times where we had 50 people attend our podlucks.
1: I think that's what drew me so much to the Houston area is the collaboration among the pod leaders, and so many pods in that area, which is very different than Dallas, although we just had two or three that just Um, got started right before the pandemic. So um, some of them maybe had one meeting. And uh, so that was very unfortunate. But how you guys work and collaborate, especially with the doctors in the area was wonderful. And for people who may not have heard of plant pure pods, they're basically um, the whole it's a grassroots organization, it got started by Nelson Campbell, who is a son of T. Colin Campbell, who wrote, uh, co wrote the China study. And basically, he started this movement with Plan Pure Nation of just getting people to kind of organize and offer support in their community. And so we got started in, well, we were doing it in 2018, before we officially joined, because I wasn't sure if like you, I got on the website, and I was like, but I checked every pod that has signed up early in 2016, and no one was active. I reached out to the leaders, I asked, Are you guys doing anything, I'd like to get involved, and no one did anything. So I started it, I started plant based DFW. And I was fortunate because my husband's a doctor, he could talk about the medical aspect. And then we started collaborating with people that were doing things on a smaller scale in their own home. So you're still sending out your monthly uh, newsletter, how are you able to maintain a sense of community now online? The beginning of this month, we had a very nice meeting. I think we had maybe 20 people
0: show up for our online meeting,
1: which is a nice
0: group. And we had some people who are new to it. They're just exploring. They wanted some easy recipes. I really love when I hear back from the community. I've been encouraging people to email me. That's a little sparse. But coming to to those meetings is great. And then the other part that I do, it's not directly the plant pure part, but I'm working on the climate action team of my church. And so there is actually a little bit of overlap in people now. And there I have meeting with the other organizer, and that feels really like a community. I I wish someone else in my plant pure community would help with playing off ideas, what we can do. I really do well when I get to talk. I process a lot when I'm talking, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. and So it, it simulates me, it gets me energy, and then I'm willing to do stuff.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Well, this is kind of like what we're using the podcast for now is sort of to offer tools to our community because we're not doing lectures. Whereas before we could invite guests uh, to speak at our events. Now it's like, well, if we can feature people like yourself, and tell and, and let people know that you're available in Houston. And even if you're doing things virtually is you're still a resource. Actually, in March, we had a doc- documentary
0: screening called Blue. And we had a fabulous meeting. It was co hosted with the church. And we brought in health professionals, we had six or seven groups with two health professionals each. And then people um, could interact with the health professionals for 15 minutes and then they would rotate around. And so they had a chance to talk to four different groups. People really love that. And I hope that I can do something like that online again. Now that Code Blue is online, and Dr. Sarah Stancik is actually willing to to do interviews and Q and A's. I really hope we can get an interested group together that helps us to spread the word and we we can do something with her. Mm -hmm. I find her story and the way she interacts and gives, I find it so moving and touching and she also does a lot with medical students. I hope we can get connections with the medical students here, because that's really our next milestone to, to um, get contact there. And with the University of Houston now having a medical school, and they focus on primary care, on really helping on those chronic health issues, maybe something will develop there.
1: Do you have any other summit coming up or anything like similar to that that's coming up? I don't have another summit
0: come up, but I will be offering more cooking classes again starting in October. The plan for me is to offer a class free of charge where I pick up a little bit on my sauces and fast meals subject again, because I think that helps people get started. And then PCRM, the Physicians Committee, they put together a wonderful program that looks at all the different comorbidities for COVID-19. And even if you're not worried about COVID-19, even if it like miraculously went away, then those comorbidities, their diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease and weight and general um, immune system function. You know, even if the food wouldn't do anything to help us with COVID-19 or if it like disappeared overnight, then these issues, they are still with us and they still kill so many people and make so many people suffer.
1: I hear you. Yes. And so if people want to watch you or follow you, um, what's the best way that they can contact you?
0: I'm just starting up my
1: own YouTube channel as soon as the food is medicine summit is <laughs> over. Awesome. I like upload some of the
0: videos and I hope to keep creating. And then um because my name is a little difficult to pronounce for non-German French or (laughs) Spanish speaker. (laughs) I started Carolina's Plant Kitchen. And you can connect with me via the landing
1: page. I love that. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. And, uh, I know because of your, um, I want to say production skills or technical skills that you put together good content. So I'm going to make sure that I subscribe as well. And were you going to give us sort of a little food, um, a quick food demo? Do you have time for that? Yeah, we can do that. It's something very simple. So I also do a fair
0: amount of gardening. So I have some cucumbers from the garden. And in cucumbers in general, especially the, the board ones, actually, you buy them and like two or three days later they start to go limp or even grow moldy so one thing my husband and i came up with is to slice them and to slice some onions and to layer them in a water vinegar mixture and that preserves the cucumbers if you push it maybe even up to 2 weeks but it's probably better like if you eat them within Ten days or so, right. but it stays crispy, and that's the nice part. And they won't spoil. All
1: right, so Carolina is in her kitchen.
0: Great. So it's very simple. We have a nice dish where everything goes in, and I the cucumber is uh, a little thick in the center, so I cut it in half so the pieces are more easily manageable. I can also have a look on the inside. Um, I left this just a touch long, but the seeds are still soft. So just cut it up. Always a trick to find the cucumbers in the cucumber vine jungle. Especially now that there weren't that many cucumbers uh, ripening. With the heat coming they they don't set anymore. There was a time before where I would give away cucumbers right left and center.
1: So this has been a uh, pretty hot summer, at least from my perspective. Has that affected your garden at all, or is it um normal to you?
0: I think it was still pretty normal, and in the uh, Houston summer, it gets so hot that tomatoes won't set. Uh cucumber set I think even peppers suffer a little bit. We still had eggplants and we had a few cooler days. So as soon as the rain came and it got cooler, we got some beans again. We got the cucumbers again. And um but yeah, eggplants were still coming. I in fact I have like three bags of eggplants in the fridge. So we're exploring all our eggplant dishes from baba ganoush to someone reminded me of uh, i think ikri the uh, russian um, dish where you roast the eggplant just like for baba ganoush but then instead of mixing it with tahini and lemon juice you mix it with a tomato paste and uh, sauteed onions Mm -hmm. so maybe these onions should be quarters too
1: So now that we're growing some of our own green leafy vegetables and tomatoes and peppers, we started uh, playing around with the idea of trying to see if we can also grow uh, onion and garlic using grow bags, but in our small patio because we live in a small space. And uh, we use, I mean, onion all the time. <laughs> yeah, we
0: lose. It. so citrus. I have never before in my life used that many lemon and lime juice like now. It's like. Every second dish has that in it. And uh, and then onions, garlic, all mm-hmm. the time.
1: So you're layering layering your dish with the cucumber. Yeah, so I'm just layering them in. The the
0: neater you are, the, the more you get in without wasting too much space. I'm a little impatient right now, of course.
1: So I'm going to include this portion in the actual audio podcast so that if people want to listen in, they can kind of have an idea of what you were preparing, but you just slice one cucumber and half of red onion. And you're layering one on top of the other. There we go. Then keep going. My mouth is watering already.
0: <laughs> yeah, this would be good. Like after one day. And the nice thing is, uh, raw onion can be really too much for many people. But once they were in vinegar for some time, they are not as biting for the stomach and much more digestible. Mm-hmm. And it's also the reason why I use red onions because they are a little milder, or we might use a sweet on- the sweet onion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it really I was. Made a change how
0: much raw onion I can eat.
1: Right. I was recently listening to a Mastering Diabetes and um they were talking about how they'd like for people to to kind of transition slowly so their bodies can get adjusted to some of the foods that they're not used to consuming. I guess maybe onion is one of them if you're not used to eating a lot of onion or garlic along with like legumes. Yeah. Are you mainly now raw? More raw than cooked foods? No, we yeah. are yeah. half and half. Okay. Yeah, that's my goal is to incorporate. um I really focus on having raw foods just because we get into the habit of cooking everything. And um you know how that is.
0: Yeah, we often have large salads in, in a little bit, I can show you our salad container. I'm very lucky that my husband mostly puts those together. Um, He's really very good at making sure that vegetables will not spoil. That really upsets him and I totally agree. If you look at the data, it's like 30 or maybe 40% of food is wasted in food spoilage and considering the environmental cost of growing food, this is just, you know, we really need to change this. So he makes sure that all the vegetables we buy actually go into us as food and not into the compost pail.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Do you um, also try to freeze some of your vegetables if you just can't consume them fast enough?
0: Yeah, we do. We, right now, like with our garden vegetables, we have been freezing
1: beans. And
0: I think you might be experimenting freezing the roasted eggplants. We have been, like, sometimes when you get a good deal of fruit, we have been freezing fruit. But then for, like, the cooked food, we cook in batches, and then we fill it mostly because there's limited freezer space. We fill it into jars hot and seal it hot, and then it will stay okay for, you know, several weeks. Mm-hmm.
1: And that way we
0: have variety to eat.
1: mm mm-hmm. I found myself having to freeze some of our peppers because we couldn't eat them fast enough either. So uh, all the little things that we have to learn along the way. Do you grow your peppers outdoors or are they indoors? Well, we grow right now everything indoors using a hydroponics water system. So it's basically just water nutrients that we put in the water. And then we use LEDs in addition to that LED lights to help them grow. So we have such a small space where we live in our patio um, receives too much heat, I think. And then also, when it there's wind, I mean, nothing can stay in my patio, everything gets blown around. And a lot of dust comes through the area too, because of how we're, we're kind of on a corner. so we receive wind from like two ends, depending Um And we have found that growing indoors, and it's not for everyone. But we have found that our foods, uh, we don't have any issues with bugs, eating our foods, and they grow faster. And we can easily maintain them because I check on them every single day. And we do I do pollinate some of the flowers. (laughs) So because What what happened? Are you a busy bee? I am the BCB Oh my goodness, because they're not in a natural environment where the bees and the insects, you know, would help pollinate the flowers or even just a breeze would help. So we're having to do that. But um, it's been an amazing experience for us to grow our own like we grow a lot of green leafy vegetables. That's been like the best to make our own salads that way. But I'd like to incorporate other things um, in grow bags where we would use soil but they're contained in a smaller bag um, for limited space. So like I said, I'd like to grow onions as well.
0: Okay, so now I will add some yellow mustard seeds. And you see how well measured out this is. Mm, Yummy. And today I will add some dill weed. Definitely Mm -hmm. not the time for dill here, it's too hot. It's a very uh, traditional combination: cucumbers, especially pickled um, cucumbers. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, my mother she she cooked all, she prepared all the uh, pickled cucumbers that we ever ate as as a family. Mm-hmm. So we had the old fashioned wick jars. There would be the square with the actually they they were not even with a tie down lit it was like um, the rubber gasket and then you had the clamp to go over the top yes and you have like 20 of these jars and we really like the neutral flavor of rice vinegar now i realize that i ran out of rice vinegar we have a pantry where we keep everything but what i do is i mix one part rice vinegar and two parts of water that way it's not too vinegary and then you cover everything with vinegar. You can shake it up a bit so everything gets covered. Leave it in the fridge for the next day and then it's good to eat and will be good for ten days.
1: Wow, I think I'm gonna try that. Oh my gosh, my mouth is watering. Awesome. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. By the way, I miss you in person. So I miss you too. I miss. you. i a I know, miss. So am I. Well, I want to say congratulations on being part of the summit. I think it's awesome that um, you'll be featured on there as well. And I hope that people take the time to watch your videos um, when you actually create your YouTube channel. And then I'll add s- some information about your pod as well, because who knows who might be in in uh, Houston as well. And I want to thank you so much for your time and for doing this demo for us. Thank you so much. Okay, till next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. have been listening to the plant based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like share and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.